This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver, we've been talking a lot about the mayor's race, but is the mayor really the most influential person in Denver right now? With the Avalanche coming off a Stanley Cup win last year, the Nuggets waiting to tip off in their first ever NBA Finals, and a massive development around Ball Arena in the works. Maybe it's time to talk about the billionaire owner behind the curtain, Stan Kroenke. Bree is off, so I've got two fantastic guests to dig into the Nuggets run, development, and all the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, May 26th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where you don't know if that giant warehouse in the burbs is a marijuana grow or the world's largest indoor inflatable amusement park. That's right, Bounce Empire opened this week in Lafayette, boasting exotic adventures, mind-blowing decor, and spectacular fun with 50 jaw-dropping and gargantuan attractions. It's Friday. We're here in the beautiful downtown offices of 5280 Magazine. And Bree is out this week, so it's it's me, but I got two really excellent guests to dig into one of my favorite topics. Uh, Adam Mattis is the head of content at DNVR and the co-host of the wildly popular, for good reason, DNVR Nuggets podcast. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Is the Nuggets the part that you were most excited to talk about? Is that the topic or was it the other topic? <laughs> you know, it's honestly, it's the confluence of the two. It's Stan Kroenke himself. Oh, okay. I find him so fascinating. Silent Stan. I agree, actually. He's, um, anyway, we'll get into it in a second. Yeah. Um, our other guest joining us from Denverite, where he's a senior reporter, uh, Kyle Harris. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome back, I should say. Yes, we're, it's we good to be back. With us, uh, we did a tour of Union Station like a year ago, maybe? A little it feels over a year? like that. Who knows? Time's weird these Gosh. days. Yeah. Um, Kyle, how do you feel about an indoor inflatable amusement park? I am really excited to check it out. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little disconcerting. I'm afraid of things popping and falling in them, but it <laughs> yeah. seems exciting. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Now, you two both have kids, I think. Is this something your kids would be into? Oh, 100%. And the indoor amusement park is, I think, a pretty new thing. We had Fantastic Sam's, I think, growing up, which was like the one place that you would drive to. I don't know if you remember. This is a big-time throwback <laughs> that you'd have to drive to, and there was like indoor jungle gyms and stuff. But now, being a parent, I have a 6- and an 8-year-old, these are all over town. These types of indoor amusement parks, trampoline really? parks, bouncy castle This is a thing parks. that's like more than just this one. Again, I didn't know it either until I had kids, and it's the top choice for birthday parties. Wow. Incredible. They're okay. a little overwhelming, though, I will say. Like, they are a sonic nightmare. What kind of sounds are we talking about? <laughs> Screaming children, crying children, elated children, all of it. It's, <laughs> any, it's, any sound and a child And then parents can make. kind of trying to wrangle them, which is its own sort of noise. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let's get into our top story for today. We already alluded to it. It's, uh, you know, Stan Kroenke, the Nuggets. They're on this miracle run through the playoffs. The NBA, maybe a championship is in store, their first ever. But we're going to talk about something that's 
tangential to that run, something that might be affected to that run. Ball Arena, since 1999, when it was built, it stood in the shadow of downtown in the middle of 55 acres of parking lots, and not once has it hosted an NBA Finals game, but all that's about to change very soon, thanks to Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Nuggets, the Avalanche, his own entertainment sports empire. Um, so Adam co-hosts and dissects the games on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Kyle reports on the parking lots. I thought it'd be great to get you two together uh, to talk about the future here. What's this Nuggets run going to do for our city? This is like huge, I think. It could be a really big impact. So let's start with Stan Kroenke, you know, one of my favorite characters in the city. Um Kyle, do you want to do you want to say who who is Stan Kroenke? Sure, I mean Stan Kroenke is the owner of multiple sports teams around the country in Denver, the Nuggets, the Avalanche, and others. Right? Yeah, you got the Mammoth and the Rapids. Yep, out in Commerce City. Exactly. And for my interests, Stan Kroenke is also a major developer in town with incredibly large plans for the future of downtown Denver that could literally double downtown Denver in size. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll get into those plans in a second. But Adam, Nuggets fans who are cheering on this team right now, how did how do they feel about Stan Kroenke? Well, it's funny. I don't in the NBA, most people don't like their owners just by default. It's a default setting to hate your owner uh -huh. for various reasons. You know, they're never spending enough on the roster. Exactly. They, if only we had a better owner to spend more. And it's easy just to, you know, it's one guy. And it's always nice when you have one person to kind of rally behind and say it's all this guy's fault. With Stan, <laughs> you, you called him silent Stan early earlier. He is known as a uh, owner that maybe doesn't care as much and doesn't spend the money as as often as may other owners do around the NBA. I always think that's a little bit overblown. I think the thing about Stan is every owner has a fault. His is that he's absent a lot. And I think that's the best fault you can have as an owner. Hmm. There's a lot of owners in professional sports who are too present tinkering with different decisions that are being made, interfering with the structure of an organization. Stan Kroenke has largely hired people to run things and gotten out of the way. And I think it's one of the reasons that this Denver Nuggets team is in the championship. Hmm. That's so interesting that that's Stan's approach for all of his teams because, you know, of course, last year, his other big team in town, the Avalanche, went on a similar playoff run. They won the Stanley Cup. So he seems to be successful. I mean, and the year before that, his LA Rams won the Super Bowl. Right. So he's on kind of a run right now, Stan Kroenke is. Um, but let's talk about how the Avalanche and the Nuggets, the, the success of these teams actually matters in the city. Kyle, I think that's a question for you. Absolutely. Well, I think over the last few years, Denver has had a bit of a self-esteem problem. I think Westward described it as losing its mojo. Yes. Um, so I think these moments of collective celebration, the avalanche win, what's happening with the Nuggets, do bring people together. And we come together on different narratives in the city, right? Uh, there's, there's one whole narrative that's about downtown's collapse, the lack of foot traffic, people aren't coming back to the office. There's this other narrative that I think unfolds when you have success with teams that's like, let's get down there, let's rally, let's go to the bars, let's go to the restaurants, let's have a lot of fun. Um, and you see it not just downtown, but through the whole city. In Northeast Park Hill, where I live, we were, we were hearing fireworks go off in the middle of the night. So it's, uh, it's an exciting moment, and I think that excitement is something Denver needs as it recovers from the pandemic and also perhaps continues on a trajectory of growth. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it, that excitement, I mean, it translates to dollars from what I've read. I, this is a, a quote from um, the Denver Business Journal, but they, they pulled some numbers about retail sales in Denver downtown last year around the Avalanche playoff run. And that, this includes restaurants. So it says in June, 2022, there was $3.9 billion of retail sales that compares with 3.3 billion the previous month before the the Stanley Cup final. So that's like $700,000 as compared to the previous month of an increase, which is huge. And that money trickles through the whole region, which is fascinating. So the s- suburban sports bars, they're doing better. Uh, any place where a kid can actually go and watch the game that isn't necessarily ball arena, they're doing better. I think we often talk about sports success in terms of retail dollars and, and the economy and this or that. To me, sports are at, and have since antiquity, the stadium has been at the center of a city, right? You go to Rome and you have the Colosseum. It like sits oh, right there. I it's, love it's that. the core piece. And for me, yes, there's this economic boom. But I think the cool thing about a title run, whether it was the Avs last year or the Nuggets this year, is that it is the only place, the stadium or the parade or whatever it is, is the only place that you bring by the thousands the entire cross section of a city. You think about, how fragmented everything is right now, you see rich, poor, white, black, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, everybody, it blended in together in a way that it's like, we finally can put these things aside and everybody's just pulling in the same direction. So for me, it's something that's actually very sacred. It's something I take very seriously. And you feel it most when there's diehard fans that cover this stuff no matter what. But when you start to get to the championship round and your team has a chance, all of a sudden everybody comes out and kind of shares in this one moment. So the economic part of it is obviously awesome, but there's also this this feeling that you get in a city of, of pride. You said civic pride earlier. I think it's huge civic pride when you come back to the city and you're like, oh, that's right. It's cool to be together. It's cool to be around and everybody feeling good. That's I such an that. interest. That's like a core tension of this whole story is because these teams, they are emblems of civic pride. But at the same time, Stan Kroenke owns them. We have <laughs> well, no stake in these teams, really. Like in, economically, at the end of the day, there's no real connection. We just cheer for them and maybe they do well. So the interests aren't aligned. Like I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, of the Comcast Altitude dispute. So Altitude is another right. company that Stan Kroenke owns, this regional sports network where a lot of people can see the games if they pay for the right services. Kyle, you told us earlier you haven't been able to watch the Nuggets run. No, I, spending that kind of money for something that my family may or may right. not be interested in is a big investment and one that I'm always tempted to take, uh, but cautious too, just as I pinch pennies. But what, what, what do you think about that tension, you know, as someone who hasn't been able to watch the games between um, this this company, you know, it's an entertainment company that Kroenke owns versus what Adam is talking about, this abstract like civic pride attached to these teams. I think there is a lot of frustration in Denver about that lack of access. I recently interviewed Wellington Webb, the former mayor of Denver in the 90s, instrumental in Ball Arena. Mm-hmm. And Webb was talking about his incredible fury at the failure to come up to broker a deal that will allow kids in Denver to actually watch these games and just working class regular kids who maybe don't come from families that are huge sports fans. So I, I really I think that there is a deep desire to be able to rally year-round around these teams. And I think that the blackout is preventing that for a lot of folks. I think that this is this is a layered thing. So 30 years ago, 25 years ago, the NBA made a conscious decision to move to cable as, as, as a league. 
because there was more money there. And at the time, it made sense. Cable television was becoming this big thing. And we've had a great 20-year run. I say we. I mean, the NBA has had a great 20-year run where the money has been so high, so much, so much money being made by the players and by the owners, that this made sense. But we're in a new paradigm over the last five years where cable is becoming less and less a part of younger people's lives and more it's about social media and free access to content and different things. And so the Cronkies being, they own Altitude Television, their own RSN, which I think was a brilliant decision 20 years ago, again, at the old paradigm. I think they've gotten caught up in this wave where we have to find something new, a new way to access this stuff. And you're starting to see bigger ent entities like Bally Sports go bankrupt. And they're just a couple years behind Altitude, where Comcast is squeezing them out. It's no more, longer makes sense. These things used to be part of a bundle. You would get, if you wanted Disney, you had to get ESPN. And if you wanted ESPN, you had to get Disney. Well, now we have Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. So if you want that, you're no longer paying to subsidize my access to ESPN or whatever it is to watch these games. So they've become fragmented. And I think the NBA ultimately is going to be the one that needs to figure this out. And unfortunately, the Nuggets being... Uh, not part of a network. Everybody else is part of some kind of network. If it's Fox Sports or, you know, it used to be Fox Sports or Bally's. Altitude TV was the first one to get caught up in this. And I think that, well, I think the Cronky should have stepped up and provided this. Again, I think it's something they owe to the city to provide access to. I also think that they were in the unlucky position of being the first one hit by something that everyone's getting hit with. And unfortunately, when you're the only one getting hit with this, the NBA doesn't feel the need to interject. Now they do because everybody is facing the same problem. Hmm. What What is the NBA saying? What are they planning? Well, the NBA has a new television rights deal that's coming up here that they're going to no negotiate this summer. And I think the best thing that they could do is try to move to a streaming platform. And we've seen this with baseball. Uh, MLB has – or actually with, with soccer has a new deal with uh, Apple Television. So now you don't have to have a local RSN, regional sports network. You can have – buy the Apple package. If you like soccer, you can – for 70 bucks buy the Apple package and get access to all MLS games. I think the NBA needs to have a plan that's like that. Right now, you can buy what's called the League Pass and watch every team except your local team hmm. because the local team has the local RSN deal that they can't uh, override. I think they need to get to where you can just buy one pass, you get access to your local team as well as every other team, and that would be the smarter way to go. Hmm. I also think about McGregor Square in this context and the possibility of this kind of private public space where people can come together and just watch on, right. on big screens. I mean, that is an incredible opportunity. And I think thinking about ways of using these broadcasts to bring together people in free ways or ways where they might support local retail is another option that could rally people locally, could rally families maybe outside of the TV sphere and bring people again together. Right. Hmm. So we're talking about where people are watching these games, what it means to be together watching sports. McGregor Square is this new development right across from Coors Field. Uh, I think that's a perfect segue to the other big piece of this conversation, which is Cronkies' plans to develop these 55 acres of empty parking lots, which are right next to downtown. Kyle, you've reported on this. You've been following these plans. What does it look like right now? So you have 55 big empty acres. People come in for games, they come in for concerts, they park, occasionally Cirque du Soleil or someone like that will set up tents and they'll be used. But often those spaces are completely empty. And in a city with a housing crisis, a city that wants to see more economic activity generated, a giant parking lot is viewed as an incredible opportunity. And I think Kroenke's plans there are to develop it, 
to bring in something like 6,700 units of housing, uh, to bring in green space, trails, bike spaces, and then this thing that will go up Wincoop or Winecoop, however you pronounce that. I'll let the <laughs> listener decide. Um, called the Sports Mile. And this is going to connect Coors Field all the way to Bronco Stadium. And the idea here is that you're going to be generating housing, economic activity, land for a school, all of this around the concept of sports in the city center. So this is a really definitive way of shaping what Denver's cultural landscape downtown is, centering it around sports in a way that I think, eh, we're a sports town. This will make us a sports fanatic town. Um, and it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's an incredibly uh, wild use of space, exciting use of space for, for new urbanists and people who want to see walkable communities, bikeable communities. That's what it's going to be set up for. And at the same time, I think there's a question, who is this new area of the city for? And it's also going to be tied to the River Mile development, which sure. is along the South Platte River. And right. When they move Elitch's, Kroenke also owns that land. And he's been working with a developer on a similar plan of a mix of housing and commercial development. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we have that going on. And then we also have what they're calling the AHEC development, which is on the Auraria campus, which, if you remember several decades back, was actually housing. Now they're reintroducing the idea of housing on this uh, campus where University of Denver, University of Colorado, Denver, I mean, not University of Denver is. <laughs> um, so again, there's just, there's what could be a doubling of the population downtown, something like 50,000 new units, uh, which is an incredible expansion. Adam, what do you think about this, this plan? I mean, I love it. First of all, the Cronkies own the... Uh, <laughs> A bunch of parking lots right now, like the, the weirdest use of, of that land. If you took that land, which is right in the heart of Denver, and said, we're going to turn it into an amusement park and a parking lot, you'd think that's that was the last <laughs> thing on the list of things you should do with it. So turning it into, and again, I've seen enough development stories to know that they always start with like, oh my God, everything sounds perfect and sounds great. But the idea of being able to walk from Coors Field to Ball Arena to uh, Mile High Stadium is really neat. The idea of having it, not a lot of roads going through it. It's going to be supposed to be mostly a walkable space, if I'm not mistaken. So for me, I think that's a really cool and exciting use of it. We'll see how it pans out. But I love, as I said earlier, I love the idea of the stadium being the heart of a city. Um, and this this being that, I think, would be pretty neat. Hmm. Kyle, do you think the Nuggets and the Avs' success in the last couple years affects the prospects for this development in any way? I think it affects enthusiasm for Denver. So for two decades, we've been on a growth trajectory during the pandemic. You know, the, de the downtown Denver partnership will say we have plateaued. If you look at the numbers, I think we've dipped a little bit. Yeah. And the question is, are we going to keep dipping? Right. So enthusiasm about Denver for urban boosters is always a good thing for the boosters. Um, getting us on the national stage, having the positive attention to the Nuggets, what some national sportscasters seem as a surprise, as I understand it, um, is good. It's positive. It, it drums up that enthusiasm for Denver. For folks who are concerned about growth, who say, we need a cap on growth, we need fewer people in the city, which is a legally dubious proposition, um, for those folks, they might be a little nervous that this national attention is coming on the city again because it does mean there will be new enthusiasm. 
Adam, what do you think? Do you think it matters? I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. This development takes a long time, and this era of Nuggets, I think, has a good window relative to most uh, t- title teams. They have a good chance of winning a championship this year, but also a good chance of winning championships in the coming years. But I don't think it extends nearly as long as it would take to develop this region. So the enthusiasm will wax and wane well before this is all done. Right. Yeah. Like Jokic will probably have retired by the time this development is realized. (laughs) Well, we joke. So one of the things when I say the Cronkies don't spend money, one great example of that is that their practice facility is among the smallest in all of the NBA. It's so (laughs) small, actually, that they have to travel to California to do training camp every year because it's too small to house all of the team at one time. Sad but true fact here. Come on, Stan. Uh, Stan. And One of the things I've always thought was, if they're doing this big development, they're probably going to build a state-of-the-art facility then. I mean, almost certainly, I would think it's going to go up whenever they do this development. And to build one now, only to have to rebuild it in seven years doesn't make sense. The problem is, you have a championship team, perhaps for the first time in your 50-year history, and they won't see the benefits of that, but the next generation will. Hmm. Interesting. Right now, we're at this fascinating stage in the development where there needs to be a lot of public will and public input in it. And so I think in the same way that maybe NBA owners are generally loathed by fans, developers in Denver also have a bad reputation among the people. And having these wins gives Stan Kroenke a little bit of love and a little bit of love that maybe people have lacked and need to approve these projects and approve this kind of idea of the possibility of a sports mile. And by the way, you mentioned he owns teams. He also owns the Los Angeles Rams. He also owns Arsenal. And so you said across the nation, but it's really across the globe. But when he built the Rams, he moved them from his hometown of St. Louis, by the way, to Los Angeles, which is very controversial. But then when he went there, won a championship and had a major development, one of the biggest sports development projects of all time. So this might be a little bit in the Stan Kroenke playbook, and I I hadn't thought about it till you were talking about it. I think he just wanted to win a team, and he had a good team, and he's trying to win. But it's kind of coincidental that this isn't the first time he's done a major developmental project while also having a championship team. Oh, it's it's great strategy, right? You get <laughs> you use the sports to introduce the development. It's what happened at McGregor Square with Dick Monfort, and and you know Monfort yeah. developed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in L.A., it's interesting because the development that, that surrounded that new stadium also came with quite a lot of pushback and controversy in the community. In Denver, we're in a slightly different situation where a lot of the land that's about to be developed in the South Platte River Valley has not is not surrounded – well, it is surrounded – is not uh, comprised of – homes. Mm. And so there's a sense that maybe there isn't neighborhood input. Now, if you talk to folks in Sun Valley, you get a slightly different story. They're concerned about what that's going to do to property you know, property values, tax increases, and then also possibly displacement. But the impacts of displacement on this project are going to be significantly different than LA. Okay. Adam and Kyle, I want to wrap up with one last thing. I want a prediction from each of you, either the NBA finals or the mayor's race. Your choice, but I want one prediction from each of you. Adam, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to stick to my comfort zone here and go with the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship, which, again, would be a huge moment for the city of Denver. Even people that aren't necessarily diehard fans, there was a Denver before it was a championship town and a Denver that was after it. There was a Denver Broncos organization before there was a championship town. Lovable losers will never win. We're the town, a little dusty old cow town that will never win one. All of a sudden, it's, no, we're a football town, Broncos town, championship organization. If that happens with the Nuggets, I think it will 
the next generation of Denverites will feel a little bit more pride in their Denver Nuggets. Nice. I'm nice. going to go outside my comfort area and go to Nuggets territory in the interest of okay. keeping my job. Um, so I will not be <laughs> suggesting who might win the Denver Mayor's race. In terms of the Nuggets, I believe the Nuggets will win totally on desire, good faith. In 1985, I grew up in Kansas City. In 1985, the Royals won, and it was like the most monumental moment in my childhood. And to this day, I get chills thinking about it, and I want my kiddo to have that exact same experience. So I'm just going with uh, desire, pure desire. How's that? All right. A couple of safe choices. I guess that's okay. <laughs> I respect that. You too. Um, all right. Well, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to be back with something else. And we're back. Okay, so we're going to do one of our uh, favorite segments on the show here in the back half. We're going to do a round of overlooked stories from the week. So this is uh, this is where each of us have prepared an underreported or overlooked story, something we want to shine a little bit more light on that happened in Denver this week. Adam, Kyle, who wants to go first? Oh, that happened this week. I, I, maybe I misunderstood the assignment, but I will say no, this. All good. I will say this. The underreported story I was going to tell about the Denver Nuggets in this run it comes to Mike uh, about Michael Porter Jr. Nikola Jokic, the best player on the team, two-time MVP. Jamal Murray uh, at the forefront. He's talked about a lot. Michael Porter is sort of the third wheel of this. This is a player who he's six foot eleven. First of all, super athlete. He is a guy that was the number one player out of high school in the entire country. And not just wow. the number one player, but one of the best players of several years. So it was a guy that you even looked for when he was a 16-year-old, 17, 18. You kind of saw him coming. He gets to college and needs a back surgery. So he falls. All this stock, he was a can't-miss prospect, and he, he falls. Comes to the Denver Nuggets. Needs a second back surgery. Misses his first year. Plays a couple of seasons. Starts to get it together. Needs a third back surgery. For almost any athlete, this would put them out. He is a guy that had all the promise in the world and instead is just physically cursed. Thought his career was probably done, reduced this or that. And on top of that, he was a player that was a, I don't want to say a me first player, but he was so talented that he was used to give me the ball, get out of my way, let me do this. Through three back surgeries, uh, he's changed his approach, changed what he's trying to be, and just tried to fit in and be what we call a great role player for this Denver Nuggets. And this year, he has excelled at that so much that he's actually become a star for being a great role player. So to me, hmm. I love a story like that because it, you see adversity. You see a guy who wanted a thing. It was taken from him for some for reasons beyond his control. But here he is on the biggest stage getting all the shine he would have otherwise got anyway for doing something different, something be beneath his talents, so to speak. But yet it's huh. what completes this Nuggets team and makes them so special. So that's my underreported story. Oh, that's f I, that's fascinating. I didn't realize. I had no idea about that. What what number does he wear on the court? He wears number one. Okay. I yeah, want to know to watch him. Yeah, that's you'll watch him. So and he's cool. maybe the best shooter in the NBA. This is what made him so great. He's six foot eleven, six foot ten, six foot eleven. And yet every time he shoots it, it feels like it's going in. That's incredible. Wow. Three back that. surgeries and he's back as a role player. I mean, for an athlete too, like where the swagger is so important for him to be able to take on a new role like that and excel. I think he's 25 years old as well. Like, so he's not an old guy. I mean, he's been through all of this Mature. in the very, very early parts of his life. And yeah, it's a great story. Kyle, you want to go next? Okay, my underreported story is only underreported because I missed it for three hours yesterday and was fascinated. <laughs> um, it is the death of the first bank center. The Colorado Sun mm. had a great deep look at this. It is fascinating. We're talking about a 16-year-old building that has 
how, some pretty good concerts, some weird events. I last saw the Harlem Globetrotters there, my <laughs> my my sports moment. Uh, so this is this it, is the stadium in Broomfield that you can see from 36 if you're exactly. driving to Boulder. Okay, and it has been a money sink for Broomfield. They have lost really? and lost and lost. It's never broken even, and it's also caused incredible headaches in terms of emergency calls. So oh EDM shows particularly have seen this extraordinary amount of medical calls, calls for indecent exposure, all sorts of stuff, and it's overtaxing their local police and emergency services. So Broomfield has decided to close this thing down. It's a big deal for both Kroenke and AEG, who have a partnership doing the events there. Um, And it's also a sign that a lot of the entertainment sports energy isn't in the burbs. It's still in Denver. And so you have Mission Ballroom and things like that popping up. But this is a big loss. Can I do one more? Will you kill me? Well, I want to talk okay. about this one. This is crazy. 16 years, they're just going to bulldoze this thing? 16 years, they are likely going to bulldoze it. That is what they seem to believe is going to happen. Wow. So the but land they are is just worth more without the arena. Worth more without the arena, the entertainment, the concerts, the sports, probably is development of wow. some sort. I've never been to First Bank Center. Have you, Adam? You know, I haven't actually been to it, but I grew up in this part of town up, up north. Yeah. And the it's funny. I'm sort of a champion of the suburbs. I know this is probably an unpopular take, but I grew up there. I like them. I have an affinity for them. But that it is right across the street from the Super AMC 24 Theater Stadium. Which I love. Where, where, and they built I, just back in the day. So when, I, when I'm in high school, this was like the mecca of entertainment. You had the arena. You had this giant theater. And then you had all these like chain restaurants or whatever. But to, for me, it was like this really cool area. And you think 20 years how much things have changed that now what do you need 24 th- movie theaters for? What do you need all these giant screens and all this different space? So kind of funny, again, how it's evolved away from from this. I'll say as suburbs go, it's one of my favorite places to, to go. And I love that 24 theater yeah. complex, but you do make a great point. <laughs> <laughs> That's another interesting story. These these like economic stories, the rise and fall of things like this, or like the surprising, like counterintuitive turns, this stuff fascinates me because it's all about people's behaviors, like what they want, how they want to use and engage with their city. Yeah. And there's a big question about just booking it and whether enough concerts have been booked there, whether the quality of the sound has been good enough. A lot of people have complained about that over the years, Mm. Uh, whether it's just kind of an awkward space. I've always enjoyed it. It's an easy bus ride away. It's, it's great. Okay. Okay. So you had, you said you had another one. I've got one too, but you can, you feel free to take a second. Okay. This is just a totally unreported thing, which is Emily Kleinfelter took a trip. This is a bike advocate in town, took a trip to Elitch Gardens and made a really smart observation and I just wanted to broadcast it because I think it's Heck so yeah. fascinating Love and it's, it. it's been provocative. Wild to me that we have an amusement park in downtown Denver with quote unquote ideal pedestrian main streets and can't seem to figure out how to successfully replicate it on real city streets outside the park. I think that the challenge she's making there is something that speaks to everything we're talking about with this sports mile, with with the river mile and AHEC. It's exciting to think about how you plan this stuff out. And it's so weird to think we have like a simulacrum of it down at Elitch Gardens. It's just hilarious. So she's talking about that little strip of like little shoppies inside yeah, the, the amusement whole thing, park. Right. It's, yeah. it's a main street. You have the main street, you have all these side routes. You can hang out in public spaces. You can take a ride. You can go shopping. You can uh, hang out without spending money. You can do all of this stuff there. Of course, most people are driving down there. They're big parking lots that'll eventually be developed. Elitch's is gone. And on top of all of that, you have to pay quite a lot of money to get in. Actually, less than a lot of amusement parks around the country. Hmm. You do have to pay to get in. And so it's 
Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's not a utopia, but it's a replica of a utopia, perhaps, for you, walkability. You know how at old Elitches, they left the the carousel in some of the other buildings? I hope when they move Elitches out of the current location, they leave stuff like that. Or like maybe they leave like a roller coaster, like a ticket booth or something. <laughs> I'm sure they will. That would be, yeah, I hope I hope they do. Anyway, Adam, are you an Elitches person? <laughs> I'm not. I'm too big for these rides. Oh, I, sorry I, I, I went maybe five years ago, and it hurts so bad to be on one of those roller coasters, so I, I gave it up. I'm never going back on. Oh, my God. Actually, you know, that reminds me. I made this joke about the, um, the inflatable amusement park earlier. I wanted to say this one more detail about it because it kind of, I don't know, it irked me. Most of those inflatables, they say they're adults friendly, but they have a 200-pound limit. <laughs> if you're more than me. 200 pounds, you can't go on these giant inflatable bouncy slides. I thought that was nuts. Um, but that's not my underreported story. My underreported story is this. Uh, it's the latest turn of the screw in a, in a really interesting development in our state politically. So we know that the Colorado GOP has been on the outs. They lost last November's election, kind of like every office. Um, and now, thanks to the Colorado Sun, we know that the new chair of the Colorado GOP has raised only about $58,000 for the party in the first four months of the year which is like not enough to pay a, for a full-time job. They don't have any money right now to pay people. For comparison, the Democrats raised $92,000 in April alone. Um, this article pointed out that the elected party chair, who Dave recently elected, uh, Dave Let's Go Brandon Williams, as he likes to be called, he, uh, he was working a full-time job as a legislative aide this session. So he wasn't actively fundraising at all for his, the party that he's now leading. I just think like, what are they doing? What are these Republicans doing right now? These are, this is a weird choice. Bizarre. There, there's some serious strategy questions for that party. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, okay. So we're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to be back with some recommendations for your weekend. What's up, weather fam? Here's a glimpse of your Denver weather forecast for this weekend. A lot of that smoke that we've been battling, it's out of here. Thank goodness. That was some pretty horrendous air quality that we had to deal with. We have southwest winds coming to us now, which is pushing that smoke out, but also we'll be bringing the chance for a few afternoon storms this weekend. Of course, in the mountains, those storms start off around 11 a.m., maybe noon, and then they push out onto the plains into the afternoon. That's where they tap into a little bit more energy. And some of those storms this weekend could get a little bit on the stronger side. We are talking about more scattered storms than anything, so not everybody's seeing the rain, but those who do, it could be pretty intense with hail and strong winds and heavy rain, so keep an eye out for that. High temperatures are going to be beautiful. Upper 70s to low 80s, overnight lows in the upper 40s to lower 50s, so really a very pleasant and typical weekend expected ahead. Hey, make sure you follow me on socials, rain or shine. I'm Andy Stein. You can find me just about everywhere. Y'all enjoy your weekend. And we're back. It's time for the official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there, because as usual, there are so many cool events happening in Denver this weekend, but there's only one where you might see us. Peyton Garcia rounds up her best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and she's here to give us her top picks. Peyton, welcome back to the show. Hey, y'all. Hey, Peyton. Hello. All right. Let's hear it. What's okay. going on? First of all, most of us are getting a three-day weekend, so that's... Very Good reminder, exciting. Memorial Day is on Monday. Yes. Yes. Happy Memorial Day. Um, so here's here's a couple ways to spend all of that free time. Um, first recommendation, ice cream, barbecue, and live blues music at oh. Little Man Ice Cream in Englewood. 
Little Man in Englewood? Mm-hmm. I haven't been to that location. I know, I know the milk jug one, and I know the one that's like uh, in an old plane out in Central Park where Stapleton Airport was. I wonder what this one looks like. Yeah, I don't know. But how can you argue with barbecue ice cream and live blues? Adam, right? Kyle, thoughts, thoughts? what are we thinking? How are we feeling? I mean, ice cream, it's that time of year. Yeah. It's that time of year. Yeah. Nice. I, I, I could do it. Okay. I could do it. That's in the running. <laughs> that's in the running. What else we got, Peyton? Okay. This one might appeal to only me. But it's a boozy book fair. I'm a huge bookworm, love to read, could spend all day in a bookstore. Um, Hazel Bar in Platte Park is hosting the Boozy Book Fair in partnership with Burning Through Pages. It's a nonprofit dedicated to bringing literary resources to youth in the community. Um, And they are having a book sale, book fair, uh, where there will be cocktails and tacos as well. Hmm. That sounds great. To yeah, me. it sounds fun. Um, Kyle, what do you think? I'm in. I'm in. I love tacos. I love books. I, books and booze don't always work very well together for me, but I'll stick with the Maybe books and the tacos. Maybe you have to pick the right genre. Yeah, or booze or books. I don't know which. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds fun. Um, all right, Peyton, hit us with number three. Okay, number three, kickoff to summer. The Wash Park community is celebrating the arrival of warmer weather with a big giant street festival um, hmm. lasting Saturday through Monday on his old historic Gaylord Street, um, which I've never been to, but Bree has told me lots about, and it seems like a really, really cool spot. So if you want to get out there and enjoy the good weather. So this is like right off Wash Park? Old historic Gaylord. I'm not familiar with this, Adam. I'm not familiar no. either. Dang. I feel like I've Kyle, we need been you. there and hung out, but I'm concerned I have the wrong street. But I'm sure we have all been there and are just not <laughs> right. imagining it right now. Well, we could go and we could learn. We yeah. could learn what historic Gaylord Street's all about. I've never been there, but Bree has, and she says it's great. Also, I trust like Bree. all of Gaylord Street is historic. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. All right. Um, Peyton, what, what's number four? Okay. Final one. Um, I wanted to plug the 57th annual Memorial Day Parade. It's the largest Memorial Day Parade in Colorado. It's in Commerce City. Um, hmm. Yeah. So if you want to do something that kind of honors the holiday, that should be really cool. There's a concert afterwards. There's food trucks. Sounds nice. Yeah. Adam, are you a parade guy? No, but I'm a Commerce City guy. It's where I grew up. So I'm going to, I approve of this one. It's moved to my top spot. Ditto. I'm a Commerce City girl. Love it. Dang. Okay. We got a North, (laughs) North suburbs contingent today that might sway us. Kyle, what do you think? Is that, is that the one? I'm, I'm hesitant to go to parades, but okay. I do love Commerce City. Just do the ceremony before and the concert after. I can do that. And then go (laughs) find some Mexican food while you wait. Good over there. Well, I mean, that could be our one. We have to narrow it down to just one. We've got the the ice cream barbecue live blues event in Englewood. We've got the boozy book fair in Platte Park, the kickoff to Summer Street Festival on historic Gaylord, wherever that is, and 57th (laughs) annual Memorial Day Parade. Is it the parade? I think it's the parade. I kind of like the boozy book fair. That kind of sounds fun to me. You could convince me to do that as well. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to get Adam there, though. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I don't know. They all sound good, to be honest with you. I, the historic Gaylord has me intrigued now. If, if you just said Gaylord straight, I would say, I don't know. But historic, historic. Gaylord, I'm that branding's got me. Actually, yeah, I'm kind it, of there too. It's won me over. I'm, 
I'm all there. right. All right. Inaudible. Let's do that one. We're all going to go figure <laughs> out what is so historic about Gaylord this weekend. Uh, there you have it. The official CityCast Denver maybe for your weekend, but there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Peyton, Kyle, Adam, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Lizzie Goldsmith, and Olivia Jewel Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Our host, Bree Davies, will be back next week. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter or Instagram, at CityCast Denver, and tell Stan Kroenke about us the next time you see him. Or his son, Josh. Either one. I'd love to talk to them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We're off on Monday for Memorial Day, so see you next Tuesday. Um, that was really fun, by the way. I enjoyed that. It was really nice talking to someone who knows about sports. <laughs> it's so cool.